9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. Borodar Pal Kroisoy Abitawi, hello everyone, welcome to Swansea on The Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn. Tonight, we are finding out how you find the right school for you. We're joined by Dr. Poppy Gibson, Senior Lecturer and Course Lead in Education at Anglo Ruskin University. And we're gonna be asking, is it the place, is it the people, or is it the pedagogy, and how do you know? Join us, tune in, talk out. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea and it's sunny um, and tonight we are joined by uh, Dr Poppy Gibson, Senior Lecturer and Course Lead in Education at Anglo Ruskin University. I think I can see her joining us in the studio. Poppy, if you want to click that call in button, I'll try and connect you. Um, I should say I normally complain uh, very much at the start of the show about the weather here in South Wales. It was raining this morning, it's now sunshine blinding me through the, the the window where I am um, and, I, and I can't believe it you know it's Easter the sun is out what could be better now uh, Poppy are you there hi Nathan can you hear me yeah I can hear you well maybe just a little bit closer to the mic if you can I think all right perfect I'm just unraveling my uh, things is that better oh yeah that you know that is lovely and um, brilliant and then the other thing I just need to check while you're there do you know how to mute yourself can you see the button for that uh I think so I'm just going to try yep that was it you've, Perfect. you've muted yourself wow. it's all going well so far this is great <laughs> yeah you, you you've you've got all of the that's all the bits and pieces it's just you know so when we go to the ads or to the news or anything we don't hear rustling paper in the background but apart from that we should be fine um now i've just been introducing i've just been saying sort of to the listeners who are joining us uh, we're talking about finding the right school for you um, that's right yep and um well the, i guess the first thing we should do is find out a little bit about yourself okay so why don't you tell us what you currently do who you are where you are in the world as well and uh, and and we'll go from there all right thanks nathan um well so yes my name is poppy gibson and i'm currently as you rightly say a senior lecturer at anglia ruskin university in chelmsford essex but I'm very excited to come and talk to you about schools because obviously I wasn't always a lecturer. I was a primary school teacher for just over 11 years, in fact, in and around London. And I have so much to talk to you about tonight. <laughs> OK, well, that is fabulous. So we, um, you know, we'll, we'll use a bit of our own experience, a bit, you know, a bit of our research. A lot of gossip, unfortunately, is involved in this. But I think teachers believe in that or like at least hear, you know, you hear things. Maybe we'll unpick those a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Hope. Hopefully we'll hear from some listeners and everything. Now, Poppy, I can hear a little bit of a beep in there in the background as well. Have you got uh, text messages coming in? Oh, do you know, that's my burglar alarm. I'll move, uh, I'll move spaces. All right. Well, as long as nothing's happening right now, that we, you know, we, we no, can't have a, 
a live burglary on the air. But apart, apart from that, so we've got a, a fair few different things to talk about. So the, the pitches for us is that if any of our listeners are thinking of moving school, obviously it would be mm-hmm. some of the people you're uh, supporting in becoming teachers now as a course lead in education will be looking for jobs as well. Um, so they might be coming to you with these kind of questions. Certainly, maybe people are asking around, and I think, you know, I might be right, I might be wrong about this, but it feels like it's a buyer's market at the moment. And in what I mean yeah. by that is su- supply of teachers maybe isn't keeping up with demand. How, yes. how do you feel about that? I totally agree with you. And as you're aware, Nathan, we are seeing a lot of people training to be teachers and then leaving the profession as well. So it kind of leaves us with this bit of vacancy, I suppose, in our schools. Um, but that's why I'm so interested to talk to you about this, because I think teachers are the ones with the agency. You are the ones with the power. You are in demand. And that's why it's so important you choose a school where you're happy. Well, fantastic. And I will say, you know, we, we talked a little bit about some of your experience. My experience, I, I spent a long time looking for jobs at the start of my career. I was in a, a densely, a, a teacher heavy area um, at the time in South Wales. I used to joke that South Wales was exporting more teachers than they were coal at the time. <laughs> um, and, and well, you know, there were a lot of people trained there. And, and uh, you know, it was uh, the schools uh, could, could pick and choose for one of a better word. It does feel like things are changing. And I admittedly, in my first job, uh, took uh, it wasn't a school that was right for me. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I I, Mm -hmm. I can reflect on it now and think, do you know what? They were a school that was probably right for other people, right for different things. But for me, it was definitely not the right school. And and I left with, you know, within a year of that school. But I'd taken a job because I needed a job. Um, And it doesn't feel like that at the moment. It feels like there's maybe maybe a bit more choice, as you say. Definitely. I mean, can I ask Nathan, if it's not too personal, what was it that made you think that school wasn't right for you? Well, do you know what, you're turning the tables on me immediately, but I lo- <laughs> I'm here for it, I love it, you know, we, we're talking it out, and I will say as well, if any listeners want to chip in with a question, you can text it in if you're listening live in the Podbean app, you can message us on Twitter, and um, of course, if you've got questions after the show, tweet them along as well, and we're, you know, we'll try and answer them as best we can, but Right, so my first school, uh, my my route into teaching, I trained in South Wales down in Swansea. And as I say, there were loads of uh, teachers, loads of teachers seemed to be, we were pumping out loads. Um, And I remember schools talking about having 100 applicants, primary schools this is, you know, single form entry primary schools, having 100 applicants for jobs. Um, And so, you know, it was a real kind of, uh, there just seemed to be a lot, but it's, you know, the M4 corridor in South Wales, people maybe weren't moving up the valleys. So we had that. And I did two years on supply, which for me was amazing because I got to Mm -hmm. see loads of different schools. And I taught primary and I taught secondary and I did cover supervising and I did special ed and I did everything, which was, you know, looking back on it was wonderful. It's not, it's not great if you want a steady income, but, you know, experience wise was wonderful. And then I, I, I started panicking and my parents are teachers my sister's a teacher oh, wow. um and um and, and they were talking about getting your nqt year done right and at the time i don't know if it still is in the, in england but there was like a four-term limit that you had to do you had to be starting your nqt yes, yeah. year in um now in wales that had never been a thing there was a five-year limit Oh, you wow. could take five years because it was they just well I guess there were people like me who just weren't securing a a, a first job um so I moved back to England 
and I moved to a place just sort of north of probably where you are called St. Neots. Um, oh, yes, and I'm, yeah, you know, I know it. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I was born and grew up in Cambridge, so I moved in with my parents um, and, uh, and and was teaching there. And it was, a, it was a good school. And we'll talk about this a bit later, maybe about, you know... Um, uh, looking at Ofsted ratings and what you can tell from those when, you, when you're looking for a school. But I was like, okay, mm-hmm. a good school. You know, I want to be in a good school. And when I went on the tour, they were talking about moving towards outstanding and that, you know, they wanted these things. Um, and I got into it and uh, it just didn't click what they wanted, how they saw things were going. That mm-hmm. kind of pedagogic kind of alignment wasn't there. Um, and, you know, they, they were very much, they were looking to be outstanding, but in a very kind of academic way. I've always sort of been more uh, driven by pastoral elements, if I can phrase it that way. Um, yeah. And they were more driven by academic. Um, and it just it just didn't work out and it, it wasn't sitting for me. And then they went through a period of wanting to become an academy. And at the time, I was really militant about not being in an academy. It just, you, you see, what, there were so many different yes, things. It just was yes. a culture fit. And yeah, so I moved on and and uh, went back on supply because I was bolshy like that, I guess. And just, you know, I, I knew I could do it and walked into a school and the um, the head teacher at lunchtime and I was booked in for a day, um, walked into a school and it was a, a school that had challenging uh, behavior and they'd booked two supply teachers into one class. Right. And this yeah. was a year year one class, two teachers they put in, five teaching assistants. Wow. (laughs) um, And they were like, yeah, okay, so just so you know what you're walking in. And I was kind of like, it's okay, you know, I've been around the block a bit. I know I'm like an NQT, but I have been around the block. Um, Well, I just finished my NQT. And at lunchtime, he, he asked me if I wanted to stay there and, 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 and and teach and teach that cohort. Um, and I did, and th- that was a culture fit, and I got Brilliant. on really well there. And within four or five years, I was an assistant head, and they seconded me out as a deputy head, and you know, it kind of just flew from there. But it was someone who believed in me, saw what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just fit, and and I guess that's kind of how it goes. I love that. I love that. But can I just pick up on the start of that journey for you, Nathan, because what I think there is so great and kind of the main message that I want to reiterate with you tonight is if you're not happy and when you were in that school that wasn't a good fit, it's not failure to resign. It's not failure to look for other jobs. It's what's important is thinking of you, your well-being, your passion for teaching that got you into it. Because training to be a teacher takes time and determination. You've not, you're not doing it for, you know, the amazing money at the end of it. You're doing it because you care about children and you're passionate about education. And so I just want to reiterate for anyone who's not happy in their jobs like you weren't, there are so many schools out there. And another thing, I was trying to think of an analogy to bring to you tonight about schools. And I don't know if you'll agree with this, Nathan, but I was thinking maybe schools are very simplistically a bit like restaurants. So kind of like when you, you know, you know you love food, but every restaurant is going to do it differently. And if you're not enjoying the meal you're eating, you know, there are other restaurants. So that's kind of another thing I wanted to keep reminding any listeners who are thinking about, you know, they're, they're not enjoying the role they're in or the school they're in. There are so many other schools out there where you might find a better fit. 
This is something that I wanted to kind of ask you about. And like, you can probably tell from my story what I believe about about this. But do you think, and there will be teachers, and I've kind of pitched this initially, and obviously like a, a wealth of your experience will be helping people find their first job. But is a good teacher a teacher a good teacher at any school or um is it is it school specific that's such a good question and I think a good teacher is a good teacher but where we flourish is where we're finding that school that aligns with our vision and our values and so I mentioned earlier I was a teacher for just over 11 years And I think I worked in, I was trying to count, I think I was in five schools. That sounds really shocking now to admit that, that I moved around through so many schools, but I loved it. And I went, you know, taking on promotions as I moved through the schools, moving through head of computing, head of modern foreign languages, uh, moving to phase lead in a mainstream school. So I usually moved to find progression and I, but I did see myself change in the environments I was in. So I think you're still a good teacher, but the way that you feel you can teach and the way that you might be maybe bound by, you know, very strict policies or guidance is going to shape the pedagogy that you deliver. And so you're right at the moment now is it's kind of like the circle of life. I feel like I've gone full circle because, yes, I was a primary school teacher and now I lecture on primary education studies degrees with students who are going to go on. Most of them are going to go on to be teachers. So I do often share some horror stories with them. I'm not going to hopefully share any horror stories tonight, but equally teaching is the most rewarding, as I'm sure you'll agree, Nathan, the most rewarding, amazing job in the world. When, when you're there with your class, it's amazing. And what's important is finding the school where that enjoyment is not lost through other things. Now, I want to ask you about then you've moved, you know, you, and I will say there might be people listening who would think, you know, five schools in 11 years to me sounds a lot of movement, as you've kind of reflected there. Um, when you were making those moves, did you feel a hesitancy, a gamble, um, you know, a nervousness? Was it the right decision? Or were you just kind of, you know, at that point going both feet in? Oh, that's a good question. Do you know what? I think, you know, in the classroom, we tell our pupils you should take risks. And I think I try to live what I teach. So I'm not I'm not sure about you, but I always have one eye on the job market. (laughs) Not since moving to higher education. I'm very, very happy. But when I was teaching, I was always wondering what other opportunities were out there. And I think working in so many schools has made me a better lecturer for it because I spent about half of my career in mainstream schools, about half of my career in the independent sector and all. Oh, sorry, Poppy. I think we've lost you for a second Middle there. Sex, children. I'm just going to give. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I think we lost you there. Maybe you lost me for a second. I don't know. But sorry, oh. I think maybe rewind just <laughs> rewind just a sentence. Oh, so no, I was just I was just reflecting on um, just working in so many different schools. Actually, can give you a great insight. 
Oh, I, I agree entirely. As I said, you know, I've worked across a whole bunch. I would say that, you know, the biggest gamble I personally took when moving schools, and, and this maybe is where we, we, we whittle down to, you know, we've, we've talked about the right school for you, perfect schools. I see people putting out on Twitter, always it comes around this time of year, and I feel bad for people who haven't got a job, and there's people tweeting out, like, I've just got a job at my perfect school. Mm-hmm. And I wonder <laughs> if, you know, they're doing that for the benefit of the head teacher who's just employed them. Um <laughs> But the, the biggest risk I ever took, and I only asked one question for, for this job, and it was a secondment, so there was a little bit of safety to it, but I had um, to take a job at another school with one week's notice. I was a, a, an assistant head, but mainly classroom teaching in a year wow. four class. I had one week's notice before Easter. I had to agree to take the job without knowing what the school was or meeting the head teacher. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I had, and they said, right, you, you take it or don't, you know, this, this is the deal. Um, do you want this, uh, this job at, at this other school, um, this secondment? Um, and I said, I only had one question and this was where it came down to culture. And I said, I just want to, I, I want to meet the head and I want to ask them one question. The only question that I did ask was because it was a secondment, it was about school improvement. And I said, I, I just want to know if you're going to turn the school around with the staff you've got. Or if you're going to, you know, be moving people on. And he said that he would turn it around with the staff that they had. And that was his ethos. And I said, well, that, you know, if I've got that, I know that pretty much everything will fall into place. Yes. Um, And so we're going to go through a whole bunch of stuff. But for me, I think there are probably some real nuggets that you can get down to. There's like, you know, my perfect school, my perfect, perfect, perfect Mm -hmm. school. Um, so this is so the hard, so the hard, the hardest question for you. Then, what would be your perfect, perfect, perfect school if one existed? <laughs> wow. Okay, that's a big question. I think the perfect school is where you find the the people who share your value of what education should be, and where you've got management. As you say, that's why meeting the head is key because you need to know that they are building this place that that you want to work in and I think the perfect school is a school with happy children where a school that's you know trauma informed and attachment aware and the children are supported and I guess a a school with outdoor space is always good (laughs) some of the schools I've been at in London have had you know the garden the size of a postage stamp but I think we're seeing now you know the development in outdoor schooling and Things like this are great. I think if I went back into the primary school now, I'd definitely want something with an outdoor space. Okay. I feel you've dodged it slightly. I want to know about you, <laughs> right? And you've given me outdoor space. Um, you know, you want to meet the head. But is there any are you, you know, you talked about teaching in London. Are you like in a city? Do you like it, you know, uh, some deprivation? Do you like the wealthier end of the spectrum? Big school, small school? Do you know, I think the main thing isn't actually the school. It comes down to, I think the leadership team is key because I've worked in schools where they want you to develop yourself. They want you to go on CPD, on training. And then I've worked in schools where there isn't time for that because of that accountability for, you know, SATs and assessments. And that is lost. And I think, so the perfect school for me is one that values the teachers and where you've still got that scope to develop yourself. What do you think? 
Well, I just feel, look, Poppy, I feel you're dodging me again. You're talking, you know, these high things, but, you know, and we'll go through how you can find out, you know, some of this information when we go through, you know, about how people, if they are looking for a school, how they can find out these information, these telltale signs about things, because some of them are. But you're telling me you don't have a preference over catchment, you don't, you know, single form primary, um, multi-form primary Ofsted rating you know would you go for an RI school if you felt the leadership was right an outstanding school you've got no preference over <laughs> well clearly not because I've worked in all of them across that spectrum and children are ch- going to be children wherever you are aren't they I think the benefit of not being I mean both sides of the coins I've worked in um, single entry schools so you have the monopoly of what you want to teach and how you want to do it you haven't got to worry about what the other year one teacher wants to do. But then equally, if you're in a two form entry school, you can have someone to bounce ideas off. You can share resources. So I don't think I can pigeonhole yeah. myself. All right. <laughs> we, we will go through, We will go through and I'll see if I can pick up some more things. I will say, like, I entirely agree with you on that. In my first year, in my NQT year, it was a single form entry. And I found that incredibly hard being the only year five class teacher. Mm-hmm. And I found that really hard in the smaller school. But now I'm an experienced teacher. I quite like the freedom. I think actually now I've gone over that hill a little bit. I'd yes. like to be able to mentor someone, like put, put an, an NQT with me, put an ECT with me. I think I'd quite like that, uh, bigger middle leadership. But I've never been, that, that bit never picked on me. Uh, deprivation things, I've always lent towards more deprived uh, catchment areas. That's just by nature of the kind of, you know, when I talk about wanting to do pastoral work, that that's just what I like to do. So I think I'd always go down that route um but you know apart from that maybe you're right I like I I don't have a lot of preference I think I would definitely work in an RI school I've done that every school pretty much I've been to has started when I've joined them has been RI um or um sorry requires improvement so has been um I'm trying to think for international guests needing to well yeah requiring improvement um but um so yeah, I think I'd pick that. I don't. I don't think that's a, a, an issue. Um, rural, though, I would. I would like really rural, like coastal, and tiny village schools. I don't think I could ever do. Mm-hmm. I would say that 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 that's one that I don't think mixed form entry. I don't think for me. Uh, and, and tiny little rural, only three of you in the team. I like a big staff <laughs> yes, team. Yeah, you know, yeah, I only think, only ten children in the class. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I you know so, see like okay. Right. We've got an idea. You know, I've tried to pin you down, which unfortunately (laughs) we have not. The only thing I will say, you know, I'll just double check. I don't think you've not worked abroad, though, have you? No, I haven't worked abroad. Once it was on the cards, but I just love our English system too much. What can I say? Well, they, well, you have to be careful because I'm obviously in a different, you know, I'm in Wales and it is a different system here. So, you know, we'll be fighting a little bit. I am worked a long time in England, um, but the, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll be singing the praises for Curriculum Camerag over here. Um, the um, So we're going to avoid that unless there are listeners who want to chime in and say we will be avoiding in the international question. It's not my experience. Either. We're talking purely about mainly English schools. 
a little bit it, it applies to Wales as well, maybe a little bit to Scotland as well, although so there are some differences there. So we'll be focusing on those schools. Um, we're going to uh, pop to hear a little bit from our sponsors, but when we come back, we're going to run through all the different ways that people might be, if they're job hunting at the moment, be able to pick up some of that information. Is that okay, Poppy? It sounds perfect. I can't wait. <laughs> Fabulous. Okay, so if you just mute yourself now, we'll check that we... we perfect um and we will see you all just the other side of these uh, short ads this episode of teachers talk radio has been made possible with support from witherslack group the uk's leading provider of sen education and care They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record, This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Colin's Big Cat. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. 
This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out! Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea. It is sunny here in South Wales, it is glorious, and tonight we are talking about finding the right school for you. I'm joined by Dr Poppy Gibson, uh, Senior Lecturer and Course Leading Education at Anglo Ruskin University. Um, and uh, Poppy, can you hear me? Hi Nathan, yeah I can hear you, can you hear me? Yep, you are coming through loud and clear. Now, before we went to the ads there, we were talking just a little bit about um, your experiences, um, go, you know, going for jobs, moving between schools, looking at different schools, um, you turned the tables on me, started <laughs> me for a little bit. Um, so we've been through a little bit about my experiences about applying for jobs and looking for jobs. And so um, that means we are um, sort of, we ought to go through for anyone listening, I guess a little bit more structured uh, and talk through the different ways if there is someone whether they be a, a trainee teacher right now who's coming towards the end of their course um, a, a teacher who is already in place and thinking about maybe a change or maybe an unhappy teacher who's thinking about a change maybe someone looking for promotion maybe something someone moving uh, around the country a lot of people have done that um, because of uh, covid related factors you know they want to mm -hmm. be close to family um, we're, we're going to be talking through a few of those things now i wanted to check in with you i you know I, without going into too much detail does it get nervous uh, sort of you know on tr teacher training courses around this time of year um, people looking for jobs i remember it being in my time it was <laughs> Yes, it definitely does, Nathan. And I think as well, you've got a whole spectrum of students, some of whom are, you know, applying for jobs all over the place, some who are still just trying to get through those final assessments. Um, so you do have quite a mixed bag of students at university at the moment. Um, and then equally, a lot of people going for jobs, not getting the job. So you're managing a lot of disappointment. On the back of that, the main thing that I try and tell our students is, just remember is that it's not the right school for you. It's not that you're not right. It's just that that's not the school that's obviously going to realise your potential. And actually, just to pick up one word you mentioned there, Nathan, was uh, any unhappy teachers listening. And I just want to stress, because I know I mentioned earlier that I, I worked in a, about five schools during my teaching career. There were times when I was the happiest teacher on the planet. And there were times when I was unhappy and some of those times is when I moved schools and re-found that creativity and that inspiration and that love of teaching and reminded myself why I wanted to be a teacher in the first place. So if there are any unhappy teachers, um, there are schools that are going to make you happy. So hopefully they can be inspired maybe to look for other jobs today too. 
Yeah, you know, I would agree with that. I think, you know, there are, and, and I would say you can be unhappy for a number of reasons. Maybe it just doesn't fit. And also, I would say pedagogically, it can be really tough if you feel that, you know, we tie a lot as teachers to our identity as a professional. You know, you mm -hmm. are a teacher. And when it's not going right for you, you know, when you feel like you're you're not hitting the targets or you're not doing the, the kind of pedagogical, jumping through pedagogical hoops for people, if that's that's an approach that you feel the school has, um, you can feel then it's really personal because it's, it's you. You are a teacher. Uh, and I think sometimes it is, you know, that move, it can really kind of spread your wings and you can find your confidence again yep definitely I definitely agree with that you find a new mix of people to work with and yeah definitely sometimes when you're unhappy that's the sign it's it's time to find another another school okay and and you talked a little bit about there about finding you know is it right for you is it right for them it's a joint venture between the two of you I feel mm -hmm. certainly you know I've been looking through job adverts um, in, in the preparation for this show and I feel that there is a lot more in job adverts now sort of that is coming out that says what the school will give as yes. opposed to what the school wants you know which I, I feel you know when I was going for jobs earlier in my career it's very much we want this you must give us this whereas now it seems a lot more um, that they are we are offering this we are offering that we will also offer this it feels a lot more that way as well. Definitely. I agree with you. And I think a lot of this came off the back of the government's exploration into teacher workload that we had a few years ago and the realisation that we need to support our teachers because some teachers are burning out and we need to make sure they're supported. So I think you're right. So it's important to read that fine detail. Definitely. OK, and I am going to give you, you know, just to undermine ourselves at the start, but we're going to give people the the, 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 the best as possible. But I put out a poll um, on Twitter that said, how, when did you know a school was right for you? Oh, and yes, I voted, a... actually. I did, did vote you? on that. <laughs> OK, well, what, what did you vote? I'll be interested. Uh, I voted when I think the fourth option was when you're actually working there. Yes. OK, so uh, two percent of people said the advert. OK, mm -hmm. you know, they saw the advert and thought this is the right school for me. Um, Twenty eight percent of people said the school tour, you know, mm -hmm. when they're actually in the building having a tour. Um, Thirteen percent said at the interview, which is, you know, an interesting. We'll maybe talk about that mm. a little bit. And then 57 percent said after working there. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's kind of like without there being a try before you buy scheme, <laughs> we are a little bit up against it, I guess. But we're going to try and give people as much information as we can, or as much mm -hmm. tips, kind of tricks, ideas about how to find out that information. So I'm, I'm going to uh, start you off with a question. OK, and it's what do you think? And, you know, we'll talk these through because between us, we've probably worked in in most of these schools. Um, the, the main differences, benefits, however we want to frame it, of when you're choosing the school location. So location, location, location. What are people going to be looking out for? What does it mean? That's a really good first question, because I think sometimes people think finding a school really close to home will be great. Um, because, you know, it's very quick to get there. But I have to say, out of all the schools I worked at, the one I was, you know, without naming any names or locations, the one where I spent the shortest time and, and was the, the least good fit, as we spoke about earlier, was the one that was 10 minutes from my house. <laughs> that was very short-lived. And probably one of my favourites was one that was a two-hour commute through London. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, you know, that that's a good start. I, I will say I have lived in catchment. I've lived uh 200 meters from a school 
uh, that I worked at. And and it, you know, it's nice being there. You get so to you could the walk there. You were strolling to school in the morning. Yeah, you know, this unfortunately there was a time when I was also a key holder. So if the alarm went off, then it was <laughs> me that got called. So you know, it has its downsides. It also meant you know, if you wanted to pop to the shop in your pajamas. You'd be bumping into parents and things. So it does have that downside. It is lovely to feel part of the community in that. So I will say that. Um, I've done the two-hour kind of commute as well in in, in different forms. I will say that's a bit push. For me, I think, you know, maybe half an hour tops I'd go for now if Mm -hmm. I was picking yourself. Um. I think an hour. The one thing that the commute does make you do is be smarter with your time, I think. So I found that when I was working at a school that was very close, I would think, oh, I can stay here till 6pm because I can get home in 10 minutes. Um, Whereas when I was working at a school further away, I think, right, I need to leave by, you know, four, half four. And it actually made me be, although some of that was then spent commuting, but it actually meant I was kind of smarter with my time. Do you know what I mean, Nathan? Like, I felt like yeah. I couldn't just stay in school till it closed. <laughs> so well, I think you know that was actually better for me. Well, one of the things I used to do, I mean, you know, half through deliberate choice and, and half through necessity is I used to do work on a bus or on the train and I would have a laptop in my bag. And actually that hour then was... Um, was used purposefully or I would be doing you know other stuff but then and then when I went to driving to commute as well um it felt like it was kind of wasted time in a way I don't know like I think I don't know am I advising public transport for everyone maybe in certain senses you can Mm. do other stuff rather than just driving or maybe car sharing is good as well I've done that that was really good like getting to talk to another teacher particularly if there's oh, someone yes, who, you know, nice. you were like, you know, that was really nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've done kind of like, that's your personal location, but what about choosing that kind of the social demographics of your placement? You know, there, everyone will know in the town that they're in, there will, you know, likely East and West sides uh, to, to the, to the city uh, of where they're going to choose to work and what that means for the kind of school and the kind of teacher they're going to be. Yeah. That's a really good one. But, you know, I think it's not just about the teaching element there. I think it's also about relating to your pupils. So one thing I do find is if you're working at that community school where you live, you can build that into your lessons, you know, talk about the local buildings, the history of your area. So I think it kind of lends itself to the, the learning in a way. Um But it's a hard one, isn't it? Because quite often you'll work in a school, but lots of the other teachers might commute to that school. So I don't think it's that straightforward. Okay, um, but that you know that certainly there would be different challenges. I would, I, I'm, I'm putting forward between, um, you know, you know, I will give a Cambridge as an example because it's close to a where where we both are, where I grew up. There were certainly schools in Cambridge that had very different catchments to other yes. schools in Cambridge, yeah. and they're likely in Swan and in Swansea as well, where I am now. There are schools that have very different catchments, and you tend to find different kinds of teachers maybe is that well I feel it I don't know if I'm stereotyping or going going down uh, tying myself up in knots here by saying it some people like working in tougher catchments that's what I'm saying yes yeah no I agree with that um so does it make a difference how would you know you know how how could you find that out would you would you go for a kind of a walk around? Do you go for kind of like a little recce of the school beforehand when you're thinking about a new school? So that's actually a really good point. A lot of the times I would actually go and visit the school from the outside. 
and always try and find the nearest shop as well and pop in there and get a bit of a, a vibe. <laughs> so oh, that's that can good. Be I like that actually. Yeah, <clears throat> popping into the nearest um, shop, you'll get an idea for the community. Get an idea of the community. But I'll also tell you a bit of a dirty secret if I can. Go on. I I told you I've worked at five schools. I never went on a school tour. Oh wow! So you never like did the the kind of meet the head teacher maybe like three of you walking around awkwardly because you're going for the same job. <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. seeing the that. competition. I never did, but you know why? I think because when you're a teacher, you're busy. And I think I used to see it that if you apply, if, if it looks good on paper, you know, from the website, from everything you've read, as you mentioned, the offset report's a good one or the ISI report if it's independent. Um, and then if I was lucky enough to get an interview, then I think I would have the opportunity to look around then and not not waste my time. I know that sounds awful. It's not a waste of time. But just for me personally, I think I could see enough of the school if I attended an interview. So also just to say, don't feel bad if you can't attend the tours. I guess we're, we're all individual, which is also the main message coming through this, isn't it? Schools are unique and we're unique as teachers. So, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there for anyone who wasn't able to make school tours. It, it no, never affected sure. me negatively. <laughs> Well, that, you know, I, I'll be interested to hear your points. You know, I want to talk a little bit about school tours later and see what you think about what I'm saying, seeing if it, if it feels like it rings true or not. So we talked a little bit about location. Obviously, you know, the rural versus inner city. You say, you know, you worked in London. I imagine that's quite urbanised, is it? Like smaller playgrounds are you, are you getting in, in real inner city schools? Or am I completely uh, stereotyping location there? It totally depends on location. So my very first job was down in Croydon, uh, which is quite busy. And I also worked um, near Archway as well in North London. Um, but then it can be quite nice feeling that you're in, you know, the heart of a city and it's easy to, you know, well, I'm sure we, we weren't all having parties in the staff room, were we? So, well, you no, know, a chance no. to find the opportunity to have a bit of a social life around the area and things like that. Go out for lunch somewhere if you have time. So now, can I ask, yeah. you, we, where, where, where did you grow up? So I feel awful now that I don't know any Welsh because I actually grew up, um, do you know the Black Mountains, like on yeah. the kind of border? Yeah, so that's where I'm from originally. Okay, place name? I grew up in Longtown. Okay, well that, that must near be... near Abergavenny. I'm yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, that would be probably like the, the, the biggest one that people have recognised around there. Um, okay, well, that, exciting. But so you grew up around there and then moved to London to teach? Yeah, so I went to um, university up near Liverpool at Edge Hill University. And then, yeah, I just knew that I wanted to be down south near London. Okay, well, this is is the crux of it. So was it like, is it like bright lights, big city? Is it, you know, like I'm kind of imagining, you know, there's more stuff to do after work, you know, I mean, pre-pandemic, obviously. But, you know, there's more access to shows and london things yeah i think i just wanted to be somewhere that was was vibrant and you know when you're a new teacher you think you're going to have maybe these opportunities for your weekends (laughs) which (laughs) is a bit of a a juggling act but I, i wasn't um intent on london it just worked out that that was my job i did actually go for a job in cambridge for my first teaching job where i was unsuccessful um okay and then so I think it's also good if you are able to look around because it gave me the chance to look at a diverse range of schools. Um, and then I found one that was a really good fit, which is where I was offered the role. So also thinking those ones that don't offer you the role, 
try and think that it's their loss if you can and I know that's tricky sometimes but for anyone who's going through interviews at the moment just try and think obviously they haven't seen your potential but another school will recognize that in you indubitably um so uh, we've talked a bit about location we've done location 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 so we we sorry, know i feel roughly... like i keep going off topic i am sorry no no it's, it's, it's brilliant you know like i'm it's really interesting as i say like hearing how people have done it and hearing it from sort of experienced teachers who've, who've had different experiences it, you know it's really interesting because there will be some people i guess who you know um i you know move to a different part of the country to look for their their work they're not tied to a location so they might be looking even further afield or might be looking in London and Liverpool and you know Nottingham because they want to go to like a a big city type thing Mm -hmm. um but we've narrowed it down so we've got our kind of rough area we've got our you know our 50 mile radius of where we want to go we're going to be looking for schools right so most people will have already chosen their key stage Yes. Um, because, you know, through, the, through their training. And, and a lot of people will probably have a preference for Key Stage 1 and 2. So, you know, they will know if they're a secondary school teacher, they will know if they're a primary school teacher. And they'll probably, if they're primary, have a preference of, of sort of Key Stage 1 because uh, primary school jobs for any secondary school teachers generally come up advertised as the year group teacher. Mm-hmm. So it'll be, we're looking for a year one teacher. So, so you've got that. But so we... Um, the type of school then what's are the the benefits and differences in your opinion of the the kind of different types of schools so we'll start with the smallest you know maybe a small i'm saying village school because that's where they tend most to be mixed form entry maybe you know four or five members of staff the sort of the benefits compared to being part of a large academy chain and then we'll sort of work our way up Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I know you mentioned earlier that you think for you that rural tiny school um, isn't ideal. I've got to say, I think when I was on placement as a teacher a very long time ago, I worked in a school like that with, you know, the mixed year one and two class. And even then it still only had about 12 pupils. And it probably was one of the hardest roles I've ever done. And so also don't be, you know, don't be deceived. You would think that a small school might mean an easy ride. Um But yes, I think that you've got a slightly harder role there because you're probably going to be the only teacher. And if it's a mixed form, you're trying to amalgamate, um, you know, potentially two curriculum into one. So I do think that could be the trickiest, although on paper, you might think it looks simple. Yeah, I think, you know, I I, I do think a lot, you know, I follow a lot of people who are small, uh, you know, these smaller school teachers. And particularly if you're not attached to a bigger chain or a bigger kind of um, sometimes a a church group you might be affiliated to. um, The the support is the bit that I would always worry about because it's hard enough in primary looking, you know, you need someone who's an expert in geography, expert in maths, expert, Mm -hmm. all of these things from from a small group of people. Uh, And then to do it in a primary school where you might be having sort of five or six different hats um, does seem incredibly challenging for me. Now we'll move on up. You know, so we've got single form, which I, I think is my probably my favourite. I've generally taught in single or two two form entry, so okay. one class of each in primary school. Um, that's the, the the next biggest school for me. I quite like that you get a bit of freedom as the class teacher. You are the class teacher in a mm-hmm. two form entry. You've maybe got someone to rely on, can half the planning a little bit, so that's quite nice as well. Yes. So I agree. I do like a single form school and I've worked in some single forms. 
because as you say you've got autonomy as we said earlier you know if you want to do a particular topic in a particular order as long as that fits with you know the school's plans you can do it in whatever way you want you haven't got to worry about what the other year one teacher wants for example and I think as well you do get a lovely feeling of community in single form entry schools because you'll probably know everyone's name by the end of the first week from doing your playground duties and things um so there's definitely advantages hmm, but w- would it be for me okay you are starting to nail me down yeah, now fine. yeah I don't I don't think I enjoyed single form schools as much as I enjoyed what is next on our list I guess which is two form entry yeah two form entry or larger primary I, you know I've known four form entry yeah, that's, that's the biggest that I've, that I've talked to anyone who's worked at so those are kind of we're talking about those singularly on schools I, I think I'd find it hard I mean I, I really don't like setting if they were doing that um, and, and, and I, mm-hmm. I you know I don't like that pedagogically as as, as a thing I you know but um, I, I, keeping in line, I always talk about one of my, the, the beauties of primary school teaching and secondary school teachers always kind of, their heads explode. They'll say, yeah, if it's snowing, I'd just cancel what we were doing <laughs> and, and, and we'd just go and do something about the snow because I was in charge of my timetable yes. because I was the only class teacher. And I figure in a larger primary, maybe you're more tied into each other, more reliant on each other. I do think that's true, but I think that can also be the kind of perfect advantage, isn't it? Because especially if you've got other colleagues that you get on well with, you've got this amazing energy between you. Okay, and then we we move on to after that, then, of course, there's academy chains, um, bigger schools. Obviously, if you're not part of an academy chain, you would be part of a local authority, although how they manage schools is... is, is not the same as being part of an academy. And I, I always felt, I never got to work in one, but I always felt that there was more, it was more like being part of a secondary school where you had more experts, more chance for progression because they were a bigger organisation, yes. um, more chance to specialise maybe. Yes, that's an interesting one. And I think the important thing to note here is not to group all academies together as well. And so people that are looking at these very large you know, academy chains to also note that they do have their very own philosophies. So I think if you are going for a large academy school, making sure that it fits what we were talking back back at the start, Nathan, fitting your vision and values to the academies. Um, Because quite often the first thing you'll see when you're stepping in academies is, you know, these slogans all over the wall and (laughs) words everywhere. And so it's making sure those are the words you agree with because you'll find they're very... um, not necessarily in a bad way, but very much driven by, you know, these core words and philosophies. But I do agree with you um, that we can see excellent CPD here. So one of my previous roles, um, I, re- I worked previously at University of Greenwich as a lecturer, and I was teaching a special module called Professionals as Researchers, where I was delivering master's modules in schools to teachers and leaders. And most of the teachers and leaders that signed up worked in academies. So it it seems generalising, but clearly a lot of the staff that were doing such high-level CPD were working in academies, so perhaps there is a link there. You know, I think there are economies of scale in that sense, and I would say also, you know, I know we're mainly talking about primary because that's a lot of your experience, my experience as well, but, you know, I now work in secondary as well, and and I would say that generally the the bigger the school, um, you know, the more opportunities but the less autonomy. It would be how I put it. You know, the, the, yes. the, you have to get higher up before you can have a real impact at a uh, like a company level. 
Yeah, I think you've summed it up perfectly. Yes. More support, okay. less autonomy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, we're going to move on because I know we've got lots to cover off. Now, the, the next bit I wanted to ask you about was Ofsted, right? Yes. Now, every school uh, in England, um, in, in Wales, we have Estin, which is, is broadly the same thing. So there will be reports that you can look at as well. I'm not familiar with the Scottish uh, version and how theirs works. But every school in England will have an Ofsted report. So I could, if I wanted to know about the school, just pull up their Ofsted report, have a look through and 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 gain my opinion from that. Is that a good idea? Is that going to help me a lot? Are there hazards to that? I definitely think it's a good idea. And I, was all, I would encourage everyone who's applying for jobs to seek out those Ofsted reports or, as you say, depending where you're working, pulling up the report or independent sector, the ISI report, because... Even if it's slightly out of date, it will still help you learn more about, you know, in the introductory part, the demographic of the school, a little bit about the history and design of the school. But I do think you have to take those with a pinch of salt, as we know about inspections. Yeah, I mean, you know, for sure. And particularly, you know, as it was historically, I'm not sure how much they've caught up with outstanding schools in England. They could be 10 years mm-hmm. out of date, the, yes. the reports. Um, and I think COVID of, didn't help, of course, did it? <laughs> no, COVID didn't help with that. I'd say one of the first things I always check is if it's the same head teacher, because the yes, head teacher's name good. will be on there. Um, because, you know, head teachers rightly can drive their organization they create the culture uh, and so you want to know a little bit about that and if they're the Ofsted report is about a different head teacher then maybe a lot of things have changed if it's out of date maybe a lot of things have changed um do you see much difference in uh, working in schools that are RI maybe in schools I've never worked in one that's special measures I've worked in a lot of RI I've worked in some good trying to move to outstanding I've never worked in one that was graded outstanding do you think that there are different pressures in each of them oh yes of course so I also haven't worked in um, special measures but all of those others and I, I think you're right that there are going to be those different drivers aren't there and sometimes we can see schools almost becoming complacent if they're in the higher ranks I think whereas you definitely see more kind of passion and determination in schools that are really battling to improve I am generalizing here of course because every school is is doing things differently but um just on what you said there about the head teacher though I do think that is key and another thing I used to do when I was looking at the Ofsted report um and seeing you know key things was also jumping onto sites like Mumsnet, other sites are available and seeing what parents were discussing because a lot of parents do discuss schools before um, obviously filling in applications and that's also quite useful as well. Oh yeah, that that is. Uh, you know, I've, I I hadn't thought of that. I do, t- you know, have a little search through, see if there's been anything in the newspaper, or maybe mm-hmm. have a little look on Twitter, see if I can find anything there. But I hadn't thought about doing sort of mum's net to look at what the parents are saying about yeah, it. Yeah, it's really... it's very good. And do you remember Nathan when there was that website? Um... I think it came out maybe about five years ago. Was it called like Rate My Teacher? Oh, do you remember that? Did I do no, no, that? I no, that was that, a real that, thing. <laughs> that was a thing, you know. I mean, but I'm not sure whether I would be, you know, that would be like nowadays going on TikTok to get reviews for children. You know, you could be opening up a whole can of worms there. I, I don't think it took off, but it. yeah, definitely we can find things in some of these local community and parent groups um, that could give you slight insights. Definitely. Slight insights, but I am gonna I'm gonna throw like a, a, a boomerang curveball in there because you know I said at the start that I was asked to take a job with no notice and not knowing what school it was, and that was because of its reputation, um, and uh, you know um, 
And I would say, you know, it would, we, we had to do a lot of movement in a couple of years to get, get to where the school should be. But we did it with the same staff, same kids, same building. And, and it just took a bit of tweaking. But the reputation was a legacy from maybe 10 years ago that wow. was still hounding the school. And even in my time in there, it wasn't until maybe the third or fourth year that I was there um, that we were getting applications from teachers who we didn't know for jobs at the school. Everyone else had come through a friend of a friend who had wow. been persuaded to apply. And so reputation can be a really hard thing for schools to overcome. And yes. So I would say, you know, tr- you know, if you can look a little deeper, particularly, you know, I like a challenge. So, you know, that, that's what I wanted. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell that already. <laughs> that, that's what I wanted. Okay. So that goes on, takes us on to then, you know, we talk about the job advert, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I, you know, I've looked for a lot this week and, you know, kind of going through them. And there's a lot of generics on there. Right. There's a lot of, you know, yes. we are looking for a hardworking and committed. Yes. They must uphold the teacher standards. You know, OK, you know, whoop de doo all of this stuff. What is it that you would be honing into when, when looking at a job advert to, to, to try and sort of unpick? Is this a school I want to apply for? Do you know what? I don't think you can get it all from the advert because I think you're right. They're often very generic. So my next port of call is the website. I've got to say the advert for me The main things I'm going to look at would be some of them mention um, things like CPD, like career development. That always was something that used to float my boat. Um, Things that mention around um, support for you through the use of mentoring. I know you mentioned earlier, like how mentoring happens for NQTs. Um, And I also, though, actually, another thing I liked was where it would say um, it was encouraging like new teachers or, you know, kind of teachers at the start of their career, early career teachers to apply. Um, and I liked ones that then followed through and did, you know, end up offering it to these new teachers. So um, ones that don't always say you have to be experienced. I like ones that are willing to take on teachers and support them and train them. That was always something that kind of stood out for me. Yeah, I like that, you know, like, you know, and I would say that actually, I quite like that, even if I wasn't a new teacher that kind of says something about about the culture and things um here's an interesting one that kind of threw up a lot of curveballs um sort of for me when I was sort of researching for the show which was multiple adverts for jobs (laughs) at the school how would you feel about that how would that make you feel um concerned (laughs) unless they've recently had a big expansion on site (laughs) yeah and and that was something that some people said and I said oh well um so why don't you put that you know, we know that most teachers would feel this way when you put that in the uh, in the advert and they were like, oh, yeah, well, actually, maybe we should be putting that because, you know, yes. the first line is due to recent expansion, we are looking for. Um, yes. So, yeah, normally that's a sign for, for anyone who's new to teaching. Uh, if you've lost a lot of your staff recently. Um, that that could be a sign that things aren't going the way the way they should be. Now it could be that that happens, and then you look at the Ofsted report. Oh, a new head teacher's come in. I don't know how I feel about that. You know, I've already said mm-hmm. my first mm-hmm. question for a head teacher was, are they going to turn a school around by keeping the staff and developing them? It's, most people like teachers kind of do that teeth sucking noise when I, when I say that. There's lots of jobs going <laughs> at the school, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, as you you kind of talked a little bit about um, going onto the website, but there was one thing I wanted to ask you before that, and I'd never heard of this. 
because I, I've never worked in academies, but there are perks and people get perks, you know, things like there are like a, a higher purchase scheme where or salary sacrifice where you can buy a, a TV and yeah. pay it off through your salary. There are things uh, where they can get discounts on gym memberships. Is that something yeah. that you've ever sort of had as a teacher? Yeah, so, well, it was there, but I didn't take it. When I was working in um, North London in Highgate, they actually had a, a bike scheme. So you could do a salary sacrifice um, and buy a brand new bike um, but to encourage you to try and cycle to school. But this was the school where I was commuting for two hours. <laughs> so I didn't oh, get the bike. But there were things like this. It was also um, you could download a Halfords voucher to um, like use in store and things like that. So there were teacher perks. Yeah, there was a special website you could log in um, and see what perks were available. Oh, wow. OK. Uh, but w- would it swing you? Like, you know, would you go, oh, they're, they're, you know, they they don't seem like really big perks. I've heard like a free Costa a week and things, other drinks at coffees are available. But, you know, would it swing you? I, I don't think it should swing us. Um, I, I think we mustn't be masked by, you know, these these perks. And also, I wonder whether that would set an alarm ringing, like, why do I need perks? Because surely if you're finding that school that is so rewarding to work and you know the perk is being there but i mean i guess i'd have to see the perks it might depend <laughs> it no, might depend I'm on a, the perks <laughs> i'm a hundred percent with you on that i've always looked you know i've said um progression over pay that's something i've always said that mm-hmm. i always wanted you know give me the opportunities i want to be in the room where it happens oh you know i want give me uh you know training and cpd over yes. uh you know over over other things because that's what I wanted that that's what I saw benefit in so I am very you know over a cup of coffee I I agree in that sense now you said about going to the website um you know I've pulled up the school website what tabs are you going to first of all where are you looking first okay this might not be popular with you but do you know what I love looking at the extracurricular clubs okay yeah and when I was applying for jobs I actually used to hone in on the things that I loved that don't fit into the curriculum. So, for example, um, I speak a few languages and I used to enjoy learning like Italian, French, German. But obviously, languages aren't that big in most schools. So I used to enjoy putting forward in my personal statement or, you know, the part on the application that I would love to offer these like language, um, like British Sign Language Club I did once or Photography Club. So these kind of wider, wider curricular things. So I'd love looking what clubs are there? How are they supporting children more holistically outside of the curriculum? And then it also made me think, actually, yeah, they, they do a lot for children. Maybe this is a school that, that I would enjoy working in and bringing my passions into school as well. Oh yeah, I like that, and it tells you a bit kind of like about how free thinking they are, doesn't it? You know, if they if they've got the stand, we've got a football club, we've got a netball club, the standard <laughs> yeah. ones. Maths it might boosters. Be... If they're all maths and English boosters, that's a red flag. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it might be that there's you know broaden. You know, if it says that they've got like a you know a mountaineering club, you might hang on. This school's maybe doing things yeah. different. Maybe I like that. Definitely. Um, now, see, I would go the other way. I'd be looking for um, governor's minutes. Or newsletters. Okay, yeah, newsletters good. Through, newsletters good. You know, yeah. Reading back through, having a little look through, see what's going on in the workings of the school. Newsletters are good ones as well. Um, what about something like the marking policy? People get upset about marking policies. Would you go into there? Do you know what? I'll, I'll be honest. I would probably be looking at the wider things. Newsletter, that was the second thing I'd go for. But I love also head teacher video. Things like marking policy, I think they're questions I'd be asking at interview if I got one. 
Okay. Uh, so I, it wouldn't necessarily put you off. And I, But, you know, I always think people need to be careful with their time because you also need... I think you can get lost down these rabbit holes looking on school websites. And equally, if you're applying for five jobs, <laughs> you know thinking if you can get a general feel and it feels right then you know maybe those other things will come out through the conversations you'll have if you go to the school okay well we will talk about that now then you're going to go to school whether it be a walk around which which you've said you've never done (laughs) or or, you know on the interview itself they might well leave you in the staff room or or, Mm -hmm. you know think you know to to chat what uh what are the you know where were your ears pricking up what are you trying to get get a feel for while you're there what would be the things you're kind of looking out for okay first thing I'm going to do so they've left me in the staff room I am reading everything on every notice board in that staff room so I'm I'm looking if there's a staff absence board and if that's got loads of names on it and then I'm going to be conscious I'm going to be losing my PPA essentially my planning preparation time um, I'm looking if there's a calendar, what's on the calendar. Are they celebrating, you know, different events that are coming up? Um, are there trips up on the board? So before I even talk to anyone, Nathan, I'm reading everything on that on those walls. <laughs> okay, yeah, um, no, I like that. Yeah, I'm going to read everything. Um, and then talking to people. Can I actually, can I tell you one horror story? I said I wasn't going to tell you many horror stories. No, can I yeah, tell you one? It. One, yeah. okay. Because it involves talking to someone in a staff room. So this was actually, I went for an interview at a school. I won't name the school, but the interview, I had spent two weeks solid planning my interview. It was with with a year six class, which I love. I love the upper key stage too. And the lesson went really well. Um, I don't think it could have gone better. That sounds really, you know, arrogant. But I, I planned every single detail, made every resource like from scratch. And it went really well. The children were really responsive and engaged and the outcomes were excellent. And someone, then afterwards, they did exactly what you said. They plopped me in the staff room. um, And then a lady came up to me and said, oh, how did your lesson go? Because she knew I just had the interview. And I didn't know who this um, woman was. She hadn't been introduced to me. She was just kind of lurking around. And I, I said, yeah, no, it went really well, thank you. And she went, what would you give your lesson out of 10? And I said 10, (laughs) but because, you know, I'm very reflective and very self-critical, but I really think it was excellent. (laughs) This sounds really awful now. Don't don't get the wrong impression of me, but I had worked so hard to plan this lesson. It just went well. You know, just when you do that lesson that just goes just right or even exceeds how you hoped it would go. And I said 10. Um, Anyway, then they came back to collect me and said, now it's time for your interview with the head teacher. Um, who was this lady <laughs> that they oh, hadn't no. told me we had to walk into her office we had a, a really good conversation um, and I didn't get the job and the feedback was that they didn't like that I said my lesson was a 10 but so also a warning to anyone if you get asked that question be cautious but a, a little like kind of sweetener in the tale of this story is they offered the job to someone else who I then heard um, did not do very well in the job and ended up um failing their probation and um, being sacked from the role. And I ended up getting my dream role somewhere else. So also things do happen for a reason. And maybe that school was not a good fit for me. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, this is the, the, the you're, you're going to the building. This is like first dates. If the rest of it has been like looking at dating profiles online, this is first date time. And, and, and at any point, and I don't think people realize this, you can kind of, you know, 
phone a friend and, and, and say that, you know, you have to rush out to a family emergency <laughs> yeah. and, and you can you you can leave it. You don't have to accept the role once you've got there. And there's a kind of sunk cost to thinking, oh, I've but you know, I've bought a new outfit and I've, uh, I've come in and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I put all this preparation in, but you don't have to do that. Um, I think there are um, probably hundreds of these horror stories uh, where people have have gone to interview and the interview process has been grueling for want of mm-hmm. a better word mm-hmm. and i would say if you know if you didn't enjoy that experience i mean i, I someone shared with me a, a story of one interview they went to and as part of the interview process they went into a room and an adult you know who was a, a, a member of staff um shouted at them was shouting at them pretending oh to be pretending to be an angry parent and they had to in sort of enroll in character deal with it and I was like I, I dislike that on so many levels yeah. I'd be sort of saying you know where's the safeguarding element of my mental health you don't know what sort of my background is I might have you know come from uh, domestic violence I might you know I might have um, anything going on with me you, and what does it tell you why did, yes. you know you could have given it in a written way I was like I, I would you know at that point I'd be walking away not just because it was a bad experience but also saying do I want to work for a school that think that's a good experience yes, exactly exactly that's it looking at the bigger picture isn't it so just not yeah you're exactly right look at the bigger picture if that's the school's idea of what is okay (laughs) then maybe that school isn't a good fit for you but yeah also the other clue is find out who everyone is that you meet when you're in school (laughs) make sure you're introduced Yeah, have a look at that notice board with the photos on it. Clock any names, any people, see where they're at. Right, now we are going to pop to the news quickly. When we come back, we'll have a little bit of time at the end. We've started sharing horror stories already. We want to run through some red flags. Are you happy to stick around for seven minutes while we go to the news? Yes, definitely. Thanks. I'll see you then. Fabulous stuff. See you in a second. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. 
Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out! Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. With many schools across England and Wales now on holiday for Easter, or with the break imminent, The Guardian is reporting that many GCSE and A-level students are being advised to begin revising in earnest. Experienced teachers and education experts alike are making the recommendations so students avoid exam stress. Across the UK, close to 2 million teenagers will be preparing for exams with students in England and Wales and Northern Ireland, sitting their first papers on May 16th. Many teachers already know that the secret to reducing stress is good preparation, and that a little bit of stress during the break might well avoid super stress in the future. The article features comments from Daisy Christodoulou former teacher and the Director of Education at No More Marking. Krista Dooley recommends revision strategies such as self-quizzing rather than rereading and highlighting notes and advised that revision for each subject or topic be spaced over days rather than crammed into one. But the advice also focused on leaving time for rest, relaxation and getting a good night's sleep, as these activities also help retain information in long-term memory. A new north-south divide is highlighted in the Manchester Evening News. It focuses on newly released government data, which shows that there are eight parliamentary constituencies where there are no schools or sixth form colleges, state or private, offering A-levels, with all but two in the north of England. An MP in one of the affected areas said it was unacceptable to not have a sixth form in her constituency. In Bolton West, one of the eight areas on the list, local Tory MP Chris Green said that having gone to a secondary school with a sixth form, I'm quite surprised by the number of schools without one. According to the Northern Powerhouse Partnership Lobbying Group, the Greater Manchester Borough of Bury has not a single school with a sixth form, though it does have two further education providers offering other post-16 qualifications. Former Children's Commissioner Anne Longfield said, It's shocking that some children are growing up in areas of the country where there is no provision for them to study A-levels, and doubly shocking that so many of them are in the North. As part of the government's recent levelling up white paper to tackle regional inequalities, 55 so-called education cold spots, many of which are in the north, will get extra investment. Struggling schools would be offered more support and new selective sixth form colleges created. But Northern Powerhouse Partnership Director Henry Murison said the selective sixth forms aren't the answer to problems. A story on the Mirror Group newspaper website focuses on talks to introduce a new GCSE which will focus on the environment and sustainability. School Standards Minister Robin Walker said talks were underway with Exam Board OCR with a view to introducing the course. He stated, 
the department is exploring proposals for a new GCSE in natural history. This is after a range of campaigners expressed concern about how subjects such as climate change, sustainability and environmental protection are being taught in primary and secondary schools. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week you may find you have a bit of time on your hands, so why don't you learn a new skill? I'm talking learning to code. There's loads of ways to get started for free. Check out Scratch from MIT, a block-based programming language. There's tutorials and a huge community of people who share their work. Imagine if your next presentation to the pupils was done through a game. The limit is only your imagination. If you want to get a bit more serious and you have a child to drag along with you, take a look at the Astro Pi Challenge. There's Mission Zero, spend an hour and program a Raspberry Pi in the International Space Station and get a certificate of where and when uh, yours, um, uh, the, the pupils code ran. If you want to get really involved, check out Mission Space Lab where you need to invest a bit more time, but there's also some free kit for school involved. Do you just want some me time? Then look no further than EduBlocks or Trinket. These browser-based editors come with tutorials to get you going. Their tutorials help you cross over from blocks to text-based coding. If you want to be supported in coding, why not join me for an introduction to Python on May the 4th, 4 to 5 p.m. I'm going to teach an introduction to Python coding in Trinket. Any Teacher Talk radio listener can come for free. Details of how to join will follow shortly. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Borodarpal, Chris Oyabatawi. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Swansea. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio and the Twilight Show. We're talking about finding the right school for you with Dr. Poppy Gibson. We've been asking, is it the place? Is it the people? Is it the pedagogy? And now, in the last little section of the show, we're going to be talking about some of our red flags. Now, welcome back, Poppy. Hi, welcome back. Yep. Uh, so, um, we, we shared a couple of kind of horror stories to start with. But I think, you know... <laughs> Um, let's go through some of the some of the things that would make you wince. Uh, probably is the best way to do, it, or, or tend to make teachers you know wince mm-hmm. when, when they're looking around a school. They're thinking, you know, maybe an application. They're thinking, is this the right school for me? I think one thing I always ask is, when are the staff meetings, and okay. how long are they? I think that's an important one because I know we mentioned earlier about you know pedagogy and prescription and how how much autonomy you're going to have as a teacher but I think it's important to know if you know how many staff meetings there are I mean I worked in one school where there was a staff meeting every morning before school and then you have to think what your day is going to look like if you've got to make sure you're there in the meetings when you know you need to be setting up your classroom it's going to impact your whole day so I think it's always good to find out when the staff meetings are and it will give you a bit of a feel for how that school is run. Yeah, I like that. You know, I, I, I've been at schools where there were kind of morning briefings. I think you're uh-huh. right. I didn't like it, particularly in primary school, um, where, you know, I know that the year our teachers used to hate it because they had a lot more set up um, yeah. maybe than other teachers. Um, yeah, so definitely 
that's a great question. And and some of these might be things people ask, uh, um, you know, when they're doing the school tour. Often at interview, I often see people sort yes. of saying, oh, I don't know what to ask. And I think it's really important then, you know, what we're saying is it's a two-way interview. Yes, Hopefully, you know, unless you're in a, a sticky situation where you need a job, um, it should be a two-way process where you're kind of evaluating them as well. So that'd be a really great question to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, one of the things I, you know, I always would ask about, and you've kind of mentioned it as well as something that you've been interested in, would be about progression and support for, for, for progression. So yes. I'd be always be interested to know if they're supporting anyone to do a master's. I know obviously there's the new raft of MPQ cues that maybe people are involved in so I'd kind of I I think I'd ask some questions around that about you know you know what 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 could I go on to what would the school support how would the school support me to develop definitely that's a really good one and even not even things you know as big as masters but you know maybe you just want to have an interest in dyslexia or a particular area and knowing that you know that they would support you in having a day out or an afternoon out to do training I think is really important yeah you know I th- you know and people forget as I say time and and access I've always felt as such a massive benefit and reward and actually show quite a bit of um I think people forget you know they think about schools they think about oh you know I'm uh, being out of class a supply teacher for a school that you know you're talking about 200 pound a course to go on they you know the, the fees yes. can rack up for that so it really is a school invested in you and as I would say far more than a coffee a week you know, yes. that, 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 there's, real, there's, there's real money behind that. Um, what about something that we kind of immediately, those, those, we've, we've gone positive again. I'm trying to steer us into you know, some <laughs> negativity here. The, the only real negative I've had, and I'll say this, you know, was one where I went, yeah, I, you know, I went on a school tour. I'd got to that stage. So I'd put on a suit. I'd gone. I'd met the head teacher. There were some other people there. And as we yeah. were having the school tour, he, he said, um, it was something the line, long lines of, and this will give you an idea for when this was. It was, you know, a fair few years ago. But he was he was talking about, and it was either Big Brother or X Factor. And he kind of did this thing where he went like, <laughs> yeah, so did anyone see uh, Big Brother last night? Yeah, oh, wow, yeah. Because, you know, remember, we're looking for a blank school name kind of person. And I was kind of <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not. That's not- <laughs> Yes. you're not looking for me and I was kind of like well like I'm not going to fit in there like socially I'm not going to fit in there mm-hmm. like I, that's not who I am and I kind of just went yeah thanks I'm I'm probably not going to apply yeah um, so it's kind of good he asked that question though because <laughs> it made you realize it wasn't the school for you well yeah I suppose yeah in a way he did you know, like he helped himself out he helped me out because yeah we, we would never have got along so maybe that's one of my personal you know I think there's always bits like that where you think actually socially you have to you know, obviously we haven't for two years, despite what some people might be saying, we haven't socialised. Yes. But your work colleagues are people you will socialise with. You will get to know they will become a kind of family to you in a certain way, your work family. And so you've got to get on with them. Yeah, no, that's true. I think as well, though, an important thing to bear in mind is also then finding out what support networks, not just your colleagues, but what is bigger than that. And that's where those academies can be useful because sometimes I've seen, you know, academies getting together, teachers from all of their academies, you know, for special meetings and things like that. So building a network. Although I must say though, Nathan, 
you don't necessarily need to get on with all your colleagues because I think now we've got so many virtual platforms like you know Twitter for example Twitter for teachers is brilliant any teachers listening who don't have um, Twitter obviously other platforms are available but Twitter is brilliant for you know sharing your experiences and being inspired and also having a bit of a grumble if you need to and realizing you're not alone so I think even if you're in a school that's right for you and you don't always gel with everybody there are these other support networks that can be so vital and there is always the chance and something I'd look for I guess is there's a chance that the school would change or would be on a journey itself and want to change and I think that's something I'd always look for in a school is you know I don't necessarily know how I'd judge it or if I could ask it in a question maybe sort of something you know when when was the last policy changed and how did you change it you know something like that because I'd be really interested to hear from them if they did change their marking policy was it a top-down thing or was it collectively if they did change their house names for their house teams you know was did that come from the children did it work its way up or was it dictated down I think that would tell you a lot about what you're going to work with Definitely. I love that. And I think off the back of that, another thing I always look for um, is the use of a school council or similar within a school. So as you say, you know, if things change, are they pupil led? And so that's the question I would often ask at interview. Do you have a school council which normally has, you know, two children from each class, for example, who will meet with the head, you know, once a week or whatever and look to initiate pupil led change? I think things like that would would be a green flag for me. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think, you know, that that's that, you know, it kind of suggests that there's somewhere it could go somewhere for you to go. If there's CPD, if there's opportunity to have an impact, mm-hmm. it sounds like a lovely thing. We, we've gone positive again, Poppy, and I think <laughs> steering us back to, you know, to these <laughs> negative horror story things. But we don't have a lot. And I'd say, you know, maybe that is reflective of where things are going with the profession that there is a lot of good out there if you can find it. And if you can, I guess, like you know, as you started off saying, you know, find the right school for you. It is a mm-hmm. two-way process and you can be the, t- you know, you will be a good teacher no matter what. And I would say, you know, try and separate the rejection of you at an application from you as a teacher. Um, but, you know, you, you, it's a difference between doing okay and really flying. And I think when you really find a school that fits you, as some yes. of the ones I've described, and it sounds like you've had an experience, experiences of this as well, is you really start to, you know, spread your wings and soar. And it is it is something very different to just working. Definitely. I think, and as well, I know we kind of skimmed over policy earlier, but once you get into the role, and I know your poll showed you probably need to be in the school before you really know. But if those things don't fit for you, so for example, one one role that I left, and usually, as I say, I left for promotional reasons, but one I left was um, I was marking on firework night Um, it was bonfire night and I ended up not going to the fireworks for which I had a ticket because I had to do next steps marking in every book which I knew the pupils probably weren't really going to read the next day Um, but because this policy was was so strict it ended up impacting outside of school and things like that I think you won't often learn till you're in the role but you need to remember there are other schools who do things differently so yeah so you know keep an eye out ask around um, and, and and don't be afraid of, of, of a little change, I guess. Definitely. Don't be afraid of change. And as you say, when you find the school that's the right fit, you'll be like skipping to school every morning because you'll just enjoy being there. And that's what it's about, because clearly you've trained to be a teacher. You, you're passionate and it's just finding the school that brings that out of you. Like you say, Nathan, the chance to spread your wings. And when you're doing that, it is honestly the best, best job in the world. 
So, well, that that is a lovely place. I would say to sort of end that 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 com- that conversation. Now, I do need to do a little housekeeping. And then I, I, I want to ask you a question. Just about we've got. Um, I will say we've got no shows on from the fifteenth to the eighteenth of April. If if anyone's listening, Easter holidays. We need them here too. Everyone on the show, I think, is ninety percent of our hosts are our teachers in the classroom uh, and so we do need a little break ourselves sometimes um but tonight on the late late show with ed finch and toby Payne cook they're asking uh, this big question that's been around on twitter this week is a degree having a degree relevant to being a teacher i wanted just to ask your opinion on that before we get to the end what, what do you think should we be a degree profession oh that's a juicy question to end on but I do think degrees, obviously I'm going to be slightly biased because I teach on you're, degrees. You're academic, yeah. <laughs> but I think doing a degree, it's not just about the subject knowledge, is it? It gives you these skills that you'll need as a teacher, the timekeeping skills, the meeting deadlines, the organisation skills. So personally for me, I think doing a degree taught me not just how to teach, but also skills that I needed for myself to be a good teacher. So my short answer is yes <laughs> well uh, for anyone listening who wants to tune in later 10 till 11 o'clock tonight i can't the, wait i'll the, be listening the, the longer <laughs> answers and and the bigger discussion will be on the late late show with ed finch and toby pancook tonight um and of course if you have missed the show or you want to catch up on that one at a different time you can find all of them at ttradio.org slash listen back you can find us on spotify on itunes on amazon and um, this will be published within 10 minutes of us going off air it'll be out there for people to listen back to if you missed the start now i want to say a big thank you poppy for coming on it's been lovely chatting with you thank you i just want to say i listen to your show every week and it's been an absolute pleasure i just thank you so much for having me this evening well as i say you know i'm sure we will find time to get you back on at some point to hear your thoughts on more bits and pieces because i know you're big uh, you know lots of thoughts on mental health stuff um, obviously I want, I'd love to talk about the prison educator stuff it's too much Definitely. for an hour and a half though so thank you so much <laughs> thank you and can I just add one final little promo thing thank okay. you Nathan for writing um, a short bit for my book so we'll have to mention that in the future as well <laughs> oh yeah you know we, 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 we will find time now uh, as we say here in Wales as you, well you should know uh, Nostar good night oh Nostar Nostar very good and Nostar to all our listeners and we'll see you next time Off we go. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.